you're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast number 86. It is Saturday, September 11, 2021. And after offering the astrology of a rare asteroid apocalypse during 2021 Part 2, we now present the astrology of the Void Moon and you, 911, the USA, and the inauguration charts for six U.S. presidents, Part 1. This new podcast contains the charts for the beginning of the World Trade Center disaster on Tuesday, September 11, 2001, its solar return happening today, Saturday, September 11, 2021, the horoscopes of the USA and President Franklin D. Roosevelt, and the inauguration charts for six U.S. presidents, FDR in 1945, JFK in 1961, Richard Nixon in 1973, Bill Clinton in 1997, Barack Obama in 2009, and now Joe Biden in 2021. These six horoscopes all occurred during a void moon that was present at their January 20th inaugurations and oaths of office. There is also the cover image of our Welcome to Planet Earth astrology magazine, the Gemini Cancer issue in 1995, 26 years ago, with a feature story entitled The Void of Course Moon, Astrologers Sound Off. Overall, This is the 86th podcast offered to the public since May of 2019. Okay, it's been about six weeks since my last podcast. The last two podcasts, um, 84 and 85, were about an asteroid apocalypse, focusing particularly about the main asteroids that were discovered from 1801 to 1807, Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta, as well as other celestial bodies. So it wasn't just on the asteroids, although that was the title. And actually, after the second one, the last podcast, 85, right after I did it, suddenly a lot of news reporters, um, because of all the dreadful activities going on with weather, fire, storms, and so on around the planet, started using the word apocalypse. Of course, they weren't using the word asteroid because the regular reporters don't know anything about astrology and particularly the four main asteroids. As many of you know, that's been a specialty of mine. You can go back through these uh, 80 plus podcasts to the very beginning, May of 2019. The first 17 were about Pallas Athena and the USA Sun, both in the progress chart for the United States from July 4th, 1776. 17 podcasts about their progressed conjunction, which had never happened before in the history of our country, and which was developing at that time in the month of May of 2019 and over those couple months. So if you want to go back to the very beginning, you're going to learn a lot about Pallas Athena. But I've shared about all the asteroids, and many of you know my main female teacher back in New York City when I began all this work in 1972-73 was a woman named Eleanor Bach. And she's the one who brought us the first asteroid ephemeris, a hardcover book in 1973, and she became actually my first physical teacher, going to her uh, house in the Chelsea area around 23rd Street, Lower Manhattan, 
and I got to know her very well. And then years later, when I began Welcome to Planet Earth um, Astrology newspaper magazine, 1981, which had a 20-year print run, she um, shared many of her features about Pallas, uh, series Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta for our magazine. So uh, at any rate, now we're at a point where I've been doing a lot of research the last six weeks. That's why this has taken a long time. And this is part one. This is such a complex subject about what the void moon is, but it's very relevant because we are now celebrating the 40th anniversary of the cosmic calendar that was at the centerpiece of Welcome to Planet Earth, which began as a stapled together newsletter in the summer of 1981 and then became a newspaper in Wisconsin in November um, of 1982. And then several years later in 1987, it became a magazine. It stayed as a magazine for 13 plus years and our last actual issue was early 2001 it was before 911 happened um, in fact that cover has a lot to do with mercury retrograde and other things you may uh, know that our podcast 25 uh, the truth about mercury retrograde we're going to have another mercury retrograde coming up september 26th to october 18th a very very powerful time not necessarily a bad time if you listen to my podcast about Mercury retrograde and other retrogrades. But the, the one that's coming up is extremely significant because when Mercury comes out of retrograde and goes direct, which will be on October 18th, guess what? Jupiter will also come out of its retrograde, which started back in June, early in the sign of Pisces. So literally on the same day, October 18th, not only will Mercury come out of its ret three-week retrograde, but Jupiter will come out of its several-month retrograde and then two days later, on October 20th, we're going to have a powerful full moon. So uh, that's a little preview of what's in our cosmic calendar and other things. Now, what I'm going to be doing in this particular part one, this is probably going to be a, a three-part series. Now, the important thing is on our website, you can listen to these podcasts on Apple, Spotify, all these different places. But you have to go to our website to go into the folder where all the charts are and the charts of the six U.S inaugurations of these presidents starting with FDR in 1945 continuing with Joe Biden now in 2021 there's a reason these particular charts are in there because those particular presidency presidencies in terms of office began during a void moon I will get into the explanation of this particular area about void moons affecting these presidents and what it did to the to them and the country in the next podcast but I wanted you to have all of that. That's in a folder in the Mark Lerner Astrology Radio Astroscope section at www.greatbearenterprises.com. Now, what's important is the cosmic calendar where you have void moons listed every two to two plus days because the void moon has to do with the moon, which I'll, I'll read from our cover story from 19... 95 in the summer that cover image is also given in the folder for this podcast 86 at greatparententerprise.com and you'll see all these different charts including the chart for 911 September 11 2001 which had a void moon there's also the chart for the United States from July 4th 1776 we've shared about that in so many podcasts these last 80 plus podcasts the last two plus years and it turns out the chart that we have been using for many decades for the United States in the late afternoon of July 4th, 1776, that also is a void moon. Now, 
I'm going to be reading from the magazine shortly, which is not just my own view, but some of the top astrologers that we had, and particularly one, Al Morrison, he passed away around the same time Eleanor Bach did in the mid-1990s, but he was one of the main persons articulating ideas about the power of the void moon. So his uh, articulation in this issue, uh, Gemini Cancer 1995, again, you'll see the beautiful cover image if you go to the folder for our podcast 86. Um, and you should go in there. That way you can see the color charts. And by the way, all the charts that are provided show other planets that have now been discovered. Planets like Eris and Sedna, other planets like Varuna, uh, Quayor, and so on. So many of these planets, of course, at the birth of America or even with 911 in 2001, we hadn't yet discovered Sedna or Eris and so many of these other planets. They were discovered afterwards. But I'm including those particular planets in these beautiful color charts for those of you who want to research that and see more of the full impact of what was going on then. Now, um, again, this is going to be two more parts because the whole concept of the void moon and where it comes from, its history is important. And that's why in the title for this, I'm calling it the astrology of the void moon and you, because what's happening is that this is based on the moon. The moon is the closest celestial body to us. This whole concept of a void moon, which again, I will explain in a moment from what I wrote about it 26 years ago, Al Morrison and these other astrologers who wrote their views about it. You'll have a full scope of understanding in this podcast more about why for the last 40 years, which is when the cosmic calendar began, I, use, I have in there the void moon. Uh, one other thing, of course, is that we now have an app, the Astrology Cosmic Calendar, three words for iOS and Android. It's free one day at a time. But to subscribe, as the saying goes, as pennies a day, you can subscribe for a year and then it automatically renews. That's only $49.99. I hate doing the advertising here, but to get this out of the way, for one year on your credit card, PayPal, I, well, actually, I think it has to be a credit card. You have different credit cards you can use. It's $49.99. And by the way, anyone who does that, you get a complimentary what's called timeline report, which is designed by the great Michael Erlewine, who has so much uh, has contributed so much to all the different report writers that are on our website at greatbearenterprise.com in the astrology shop and the astrology report area. And so anyone who subscribes for a whole year, you get a six-month timeline complimentary. And normally that's uh, $40, okay, at regularly priced. That's complimentary. And that way you can go into the cosmic calendar for two to four weeks into the future at any given time and use the cosmic calendar to understand the do's and don'ts, the opportunities and the challenges in the future and become, in a sense, your own Nostradamus. Now, I've been doing this for 40 years, uh, but now, thanks to my daughter Katya, who has designed this app and is running the website, we now have an app. Again, if you have iOS or Android, go into the, the shop, you know, wherever you can get your, your apps, and you will look at Astrology Cosmic Calendar with a K. You'll see the, uh, a bear symbol with the seven stars of the great bear and a full moon that shows you that that's what we have and you can download it for free one day at a time and that lets you see whatever's happening each day but it i strongly advise you to subscribe in one way and if you don't do a whole year you could do six months and then it renews that's 29 dollars one month five dollars and 99 cents and it renews every month on your credit card 
So having done that little bit of advertising, the reason this is important is that we're all influenced by the void moon. Part of where we're going to go in part two is the subsection of the power of the void moon, which is happening every two plus days, and you'll understand a whole lot more of its power, its usage, whether you want to use it or not, the positive sides, the negative sides, and so on, after you hear what I have to say. But when we have a situation where, for instance, 911, as a perfect example, when that happened on September 11th, 2001, at approximately 846 to 847 a.m. that started the different plane crashes into the, the two uh, to the two towers and the Pentagon and then Pennsylvania that started that whole day. That was the birthing point, unfortunately, of that horrific day. Now, of course, today is literally the 20th anniversary. And so what I'm actually um, providing is not only the exact chart for when that all began at that point, September 11, 2001, approximately 847 in the morning, but it's solar return because that's a chart just like each one of you has your birthday every year, that's called the solar return. By the way, we've just created, um, we've purchased what's called the birthday report. And now that is a special solar return, beautifully designed by an astrologer, John Townley. It has the, your solar return chart, your birth chart, and all these fabulous interpretations. It's called the birthday report. It's in the astrology shop. It's in the astrology report section. We do have right now a 25% discount on all reports if you use a, a discount code, which has to go in there, which is Jupiter. So if your birthday has just happened, it's coming up. Uh, it, it was a few months ago, the beginning of next year. Whenever your birthday is, we now have this top beautifully designed birthday report that can give you a lot of fantastic interpretations about who you are and where you're going in that one one year of your life. By the way, it's it's calculated for, for wherever your birthday was, the location of your current city, state, country, or where you will be at your next one. It's not calculated necessarily for your birthplace. The birthplace is important for your natal chart, but with the solar return, when the sun comes back and regenerates the solar life force, it is calculated for where you're currently living. Any rate, that's fabulous. That's there. And the reason I'm mentioning it is today, this 20th anniversary, I was watching some of it this morning, seeing the different presidents down at, at Ground Zero in Manhattan. Again, many of you know I'm from New York City. These areas, you know, for me of going into Manhattan, living in the borough of Queens, going on subways, having jobs there in Manhattan and different places, you know, in my 20s back in the 1960s and 70s. So this is all familiar territory for me. So it, when I see these kind of events happening, plus uh, my daughter just posted, I did a 19 part series in uh, starting in 2001. This was after Welcome to Planet Earth magazine had ended its 20 year run and I had an early website and then we had 911. And within the first 10 hours, I wrote an article and we just posted that 20 years later plus a part two about America being attacked. That's in the Earth Aquarius News section of greatbearenterprises.com, our website. So that you'll see if you go there. Now, uh, it looks a little different. They've got my picture with a beard on there and so on. I, uh, at any rate, I find it a little bit comical uh, when I get presented because many of you know I've been on Coast to Coast. I've done this for 48 years, and I'm pretty much a hermit most of the time. And I don't like doing extra publicity. It's sort of anathema to my main personality. But in this day and age, in order to sell yourself and what you're doing and your whole history, 
we've had to sort of re-articulate. So you'll see if you if you haven't been to greatbearenterprises.com, our homepage, you'll see it looks a little different, has my little picture. It mentions about the cosmic calendar. It mentions particularly that it's 40 years of doing it. And it used to be at one point we had it on what's called astrology.com and was also on Yahoo through a special arrangement for 18 years. And they were running the cosmic calendar in a three-day format, a yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But what's ha what has always happened through subscription, whether people were doing it years ago, sending in a check and getting a subscription, used to be much more expensive. It was about $85 at one point for a whole year of getting the cosmic calendar. And we've reduced it now to $49.99. And it's right on your phone. So that's why, again, you should get the app Astrology Cosmic Calendar with a K. So you start getting into that. I've, as I've shared before over and over, people might say, why do I need the Cosmic Calendar of the cycles in the sky, new moons, full moons, where Venus is and Mars and the asteroids and eclipses and new moons and quarter moons? Why do I need that? I, I know my chart or I've gotten my transits. I've got my progressions and many people don't have progressions. Why do I need that other thing? Because we are all walking cosmic calendars. Your chart, my chart, all your loved ones, everyone who's ever lived, living now or will ever live, your birth chart is a frozen moment of time and space of the cosmic calendar of the cycles in the heavens at the moment of your birth. That's your mission statement. That is your, shall we say, spiritual genetic code of if we can read it, whether you can read it yourself, learning astrology or get an astrologer to help you understand and decode the chart and your cycles and your progressions, that's great. But if you don't keep touch, keep in touch with the ongoing cycles, you're missing half, at least half of the resonances and the energies which can help you enormously to take advantage of opportunities each day and into the future so that you become your own Nostradamus. That is what I've actually been doing with the Cosmic Calendar for 40 years, because it goes into the future. And so even though we don't know what's gonna happen in the future, we can look at the cycles. That's what I've been doing, and that was at the centerpiece of Welcome to Planet Earth. And so the reason I, I wanna do this, and the reason I'm trying to explain it as best as I can, it's a complex subject. There are many nuances to the void moon. And that's what I want you to all understand. Now, having said this, when when uh, just as a, a couple of examples, remember next time we're going to get into the thick of the matter of the six U.S. presidents who started their administrations, starting with FDR in his fourth term, January 20th, 1945, and then we'll go to JFK in 1961, Richard Nixon's second inauguration in 1973, the second inauguration of Bill Clinton in 1997, Barack Obama's first inauguration in 2009, and the current president, Joe Biden, in 2021. All six of these presidents had void moons when they took their oaths. So they were in different positions in the, in, in the different signs of where the moon was, but the, the similarity was that, as we'll see, the moon wasn't making any more of a particular kind of alignment, squares, oppositions, um, what are called trines and sextiles, 120 degrees, 60 degrees apart, and conjunctions. There's a whole series of fundamental alignments, which are known as Ptolemaic alignments. It goes back 2,000 years to an astrologer named Ptolemy, who is basically um, a, a Greek individual living in Egypt. And we, we now have a lot, well, we've had 
many of his texts and so on that have been translated and astrologers have been talking about this and so on. So the rules for this thing go back a long way. Al Morrison, who I will be reading from shortly from the magazine 26 years ago, was the key person. Uh, again, like I said, he passed away in 1995. By the way, he was a sun sign cancer with the moon in Libra. He was born under first quarter moon. And interestingly, his moon is very close to the United States Saturn. And his son is in the sun sign of the United States. So um, he was kind of a oh, I don't know what you want to call it, um, an, ad, uh, an advocate, an incredible advocate of what he did to make people where you got to study the void moon, you got to study the void moon. And it was pretty amazing. So you'll, you'll sort of hear directly from him as I read that part of the story. But the reason I wanted to just mention briefly, because today is September 11, 2001, again, in Earth Aquarius News, you'll see an article that has two parts. They were written 20 years ago right when this all happened with uh, charts that have these um, the chart for the World Trade Center disaster and its solar return. This is in Earth Aquarius News at GreatBrandEnterprise.com, as well as the second part, which was written a couple of days later, and that has the USA chart. And it turns out that at the time of um, the Trade Center bombing, the moon was in the end of Gemini. I will get into the chart in greater detail the next time, but we had a void moon, and I wrote about the void moon 10 hours after the World Trade Center bombing and discussed at that time, literally 20 years ago today, the power of the void moon, the confusion about the void moon, different ideas about the void moon in writing, and you can read that now as it happened. In addition, the part two area I had uh, included years ago of the USA chart. Now I've just put in a new version of the USA chart. It's the same time for the USA, July 4th, 1776, 4.47 in the afternoon in Philadelphia, but I've added these other planets that we've now discovered, Seer, uh, Sedna, Eris, Varuna, Quaor, and some of these other ones. So you may not know a whole lot about them, but I've been articulating uh, things about chaos, about Sedna. Chaos is actually a real planet. That's not actually, we don't have a sim symbol for that at the moment yet, but that was discovered. It's a, a planet that's beyond Pluto, has a 309-year orbit. It's literally called chaos. It was discovered um, November 19 of 1998, very close to Joe Biden's birthday of November 20th, which was also the birthday of Robert Kennedy in 1925. Robert Kennedy in 1925, born November 20th, and then 17 years later in 1942, Joe Biden was born November 20th. And I've articulated now a couple of times about the real planet chaos, which was discovered very close with its solar energy. November 19, 1998 is very close to Joe Biden's sun degree. So that's another thing when we look at the Joe Biden administration chart for January 20th of 2021, which has a void moon. We have to remember, wait a minute, we, eventually, we, we discovered this planet, a real planet beyond Pluto that has the unfortunate name of chaos, which has a lot to do with the primordial state of the universe, this goes back to Greek mythology in particular, what the, the vibration of chaos is before like the beginnings of even Mount Olympus and the gods and the goddesses and the creation of the universe, there's this primordial chaos. And by the way, I, I find it very remarkable and unfortunate that astronomers uh, unfortunately have this power to name something and then eventually the name gets accepted at a place called the Minor Planet Center, which is somewhere in Massachusetts, and they have to go over all this to decide there's a group of people in the astronomy field, and they say thumbs up or thumbs down. 
depending on the astronomers who discover something and they name it after some mythological part of, of life in whatever culture. And then these sort of arbitrary energies um, get put out there. So to me, it's very unfortunate that that particular planet was called chaos. They could have called it something else. But instead, when you call something chaos, then the energies of chaos can obviously come through because it's an archetype. Anyway, so um, back to the idea here. 911 happened and the moon was in late Gemini. The moon was void. Read about that in the World Trade Center bombing disaster story that, as it happened, in the Earth Aquarius News section. It's a fairly long story, but you'll get a whole lot of out, a lot out about it, and you'll learn a lot about the void moon. And just realize the United States chart, and I'll get into this, also has a void moon. And there's a whole background because the U.S. chart has all this controversy and I'll probably talk a little bit about the next time. I have brought it up before. Not everybody agrees that the United States came into being on July 4th, 1776. There are people who have different dates and different times. Most people in astrology, though, focus on July 4th, 1776, because it's the Declaration of Independence. It's when we declared our independence as the 13 colonies from our mother England. And again, I've explained why uh, the research, uh, rectifying the chart, uh, Dane Rudyard, my my other main mentor did a whole book about the astrology of America's destiny. He went back into the diaries of Thomas Jefferson, who was the main writer of the Declaration of Independence, to find out the timing on that day, which is around late afternoon. And that's why we get a chart which has the moon in late Aquarius for the United States chart. There are other astrologers over the decades who've tried to say, no, it was earlier that day, uh, two o'clock in the morning or sometime in the morning. It wasn't in the late afternoon and so on. But the point is, what we've used for decades and used in a rectified way. At some point, I'll explain more about who did that. It was Barry Lines, and he was a person who did all this research, but it was also based on Dane Rudger doing meticulous investigation in his book, The Astrology of America's Destiny, about the diaries of Thomas Jefferson, which got us to the point of understanding that the late afternoon of July 4th, 1776, is when the United States began as a country, and it took its first breath, which is what astrologers use for any person. It's your first breath. It's not when you come out of the womb. It's not when the umbil umbilical cord is cut. It's when you sound out or the first breath is articulated. You become independent from your mother and you start breathing on your own. So that's an important idea about what is a birth. It's not when you come out of the womb. It's not when the umbilical cord is cut. It's when you take your first breath or your first cry. So this is, this is a, a big deal and uh, not everybody agrees with the birth of countries and so on about when that first moment is. At any rate, in the late afternoon, July 4th, 1776, the moon was considered void. Um, but it turns out now, because we started discovering asteroids in the early 1800s, and then this other planet called Quayor in the last 20 years, where the moon is, there's actually two other celestial bodies at the same degree of the zodiac. Pallas Athena, this great goddess energy of knowledge and wisdom, problem solving and strategizing. And this other planet called Quayar, which is beyond Pluto and is named after uh, a Native American tribe in the greater Los Angeles area of a creator god. So literally the moon, it, it is still in a what we would call a void mode when you learn more about what the moon uh, being void is, but there's two other celestial bodies at literally the same degree of the zodiac, um, which is 27 degrees of Aquarius. So the moon has enormous power in the United States chart. 
And let's remember the United States is a sun sign cancer nation. And in traditional astrology, the sign cancer is ruled by the moon. At any rate, so we've got 911 happening and the moon is in late Gemini in void mode. Right now, the planet chaos in the last year or two and continuing now is transiting back and forth on top of that void moon for 911. And we just came out of the Afghanistan war for 20 years. And the reason that we wound up going into Afghanistan and Iraq was to get Osama bin Laden, although he eventually was found in Pakistan and then killed in the Barack Obama administration back about 10 years ago. But he was found in Pakistan. And meanwhile, we wound up attacking or, or having a war with Afghanistan that just ended. So it's very fascinating to me and very troubling as well that all the controversy recently about the Taliban now coming back so strongly in Afghanistan, what's going to happen with women and girls there and the, these terrorists there at the same time that this planet chaos um, is going back and forth in late Gemini on top of the void moon that was so prominent and so influential when those, those first two planes hit the towers, the other plane hit the Pentagon, the other plane, which is probably headed for the Capitol or the White House, then crashed uh, United Flight 93. All of that beginning back approximately 846, 847 in the morning of September 11, 2001, during a void moon. And since we've been using the U.S. chart with moon in late Aquarius, that is also a void moon. And then we're going to get into the presidents and all that. So having said all of that, I'm now going to plunge in, and the rest of this is a little easier for me. Okay, because I'm going to read now. What I've been sharing now is more off the top of my head, also uh, based on a lot of thinking about all this. And it's not just thinking about the last few weeks, because I haven't done a podcast for six weeks. This has all been in my mind. How do I present this complicated subject to all of you? Because I have to sort of understand it all myself, and it isn't an easy concept because there's a lot of nuances. But when you when you see what I um, am writing, I will. I'm the first one off the bat here. Uh, it's page four um, of this issue. It was volume fifteen, number one, uh, the Gemini Cancer nineteen ninety five issue. We're going back twenty six years and a couple months, but. What's interesting here is I haven't reread these, okay? It's not like I've reread all of these. And um, again, you're going to have Al Morrison's take. So the whole thing I think you'll find really fascinating here. This will give you an education about why I've incorporated the void moon from the very beginning. Because that was a question mark when I started the cosmic calendar in June of 1981, which was the birthing of Welcome to Planet Earth as a whole newsletter and newspaper and magazine, what I wanted to do was create this one month into the future cosmic calendar. But the void moon was a controversial subject. If I didn't include it at all because of the controversies, then a lot of people reading my cosmic calendar will think, what's, what's going on with this Mark Lerner? He's not mentioning the void moon. How can he be a great astrologer or professional astrologer or try and do whatever he's doing? And he's, he's not even introducing the concept of the void moon because the void moon happens every two plus days. It's based on the fast moving. Nothing is faster than the moon. Mercury is a fast moving planet, goes sometimes two plus degrees per day when it's fast. 
It's the fastest moving planet. The moon is not our, a planet. It's the Earth's satellite. It's only a quarter of a million miles away from us. The sun is 93 million miles away from us. You know, Mercury is 36 million miles from the sun. We're 93 million miles. So what is that? 57 million miles away. Mercury is 57 million miles away from us. But it still, from the Earth's standpoint, can move pretty fast. And it can move faster than Venus, which is closer to us. Um, it's about 60 plus million miles from the sun and, and about 20 plus million miles from where we are. Venus can move as fast as one and a quarter degrees a day. Mercury can move as fast as two plus degrees a day. But nothing can move as fast as the moon. The moon fluctuates between approximately 11 plus degrees per day to 15 plus, depending on whether it's at perigee or apogee. And um, we're going we're gonna to be putting together some new, um, shall we say, online magazine material. I will share more about this in the future, starting hopefully in October and November and so on. And we want to put back what was in Welcome to Planet Earth as a magazine every single month. This is not in the app yet, okay? But it will be in this future kind of activity that we're going to be doing. The moon's apogee and perigee are very important. The moon doesn't stay the same distance from us. Just like the sun, we don't actually stay exactly 93 million miles from the sun. The earth is actually closer to the sun in our winter than in our summer, even though for us in the northern hemisphere... Um, we have summer and it's warmer because of the Earth's tilt in our summer. Turns out that orbit-wise, the Earth itself is actually closer to the sun because we're, we're not going in a complete circle um, around the sun. So it's at a different kind of arc. And it's during the winter that the Earth is actually closer to the sun than the summer. So um, at any rate, what I wanted to say here is that the moon, depending on how, how far away it is from the Earth... Uh, I think it fluctuates between around 215,000 miles to 235,000 miles. So when the moon is what we call apogee and it's, and it's further away, it moves um, slower. When it's, when it's at perigee and the moon is pulled closer toward us, it's moving faster. So some people, and this is another fascinating thing, you may not know this if you're not into it on a, a certain level, but whenever I do a chart for a client, for instance, and you can go into the telephone consultation area, I have seven different kinds of consultations. That's in the astrology shop. So I've been doing that for 48 years. Um, when I do one of the charts, it shows the speed of the celestial bodies. So some of you are born when the moon is slow, 11 plus degrees. Some are more the average uh, pace of the moon, about 13 degrees. Then pe some people born during a fast moon, 15 degrees. It all depends on how close is the moon. Perigee, apogee, apogee, perigee. These are astronomical terms, but the speed of the moon and the sign the moon is in and whether the moon is in early, middle, or late in the sign, it's usually when the moon is late in a sign. Sometimes it can happen in the middle of a sign, even in the beginning, that the moon can go void once I explain it to you. But it usually happens when the moon is in the second day out of two days when the moon is in the sign and it's nearing the end of its journey in that sign. But the moon can be moving slowly or in, a, or in an average pace or fast. And each of us, each of you listening, will have a slow average or fast moving moon and depending on your moon's sign and its alignments to the sun mercury venus jupiter saturn pluto opposition squares 
trines, sextiles, whatever, this can help you understand the power of the moon. And the moon has a lot to do with your personality. The sun is more connected to character, your overall vitality and energy. We all seem to divide up ourselves into 12 sun signs, but that is easy to understand because of the 30-day time period in which the sun is moving through those signs of the zodiac. To understand where your moon is, you have to look it up. You have to have an astrologer do it. You have to research for yourself. It's a much deeper energy. It's more personal. The moon has to do with family and home and instincts and gut feelings and your subconscious. It also has a lot to do with your dreams. And if you get into things like reincarnation, metaphysics, to me, the moon has a lot to do in its sign, its alignments and position, whether up, down, rising or setting, to your reincarnational background. So I don't want to get into all of that now, but I'm just saying what we're dealing with here with the moon being void brings up all these other factors. How close is the moon to the earth? Normally, we're thinking of that if you're into fishing or sailing or whatever it is, the tides are more powerful at new moon and full moon, okay, at eclipses and so on. So again, this is all related to apogee and perigee and these nuances of the, the earth, moon, sun kind of relationship and how these orbits are going. Okay, so now you know in part two, we're going to get into very powerful stuff. The U.S. chart being having a void moon, 911 having a void moon, and some other amazing things about what's happening with the 911 chart. We're not out of the woods yet with all of this. I mean, there's still terrorists out there. The, the, the Taliban have just come, you know, back full circle after, remember, there was 10 years that the Russians were fighting uh, in Afghanistan, including Osama bin Laden from 1979 to 1989. Then we wound up, they left there after 10 years. Then because of 911, we go back in in 2001. It's 20 years. So there was the Russians were there for 10 years. We've been there for 20 years. And now the people who have been there doing terrorist activities, selling opium, doing all these drug things, having these restrictive issues having to do with Islam and about women and girls and you know who, what they can do what they can't do and so on that's still we don't know what's going to happen at all there was all you know, a week or so ago American soldiers were killed other people were killed through bombings so this is not over with just because we're having these celebrations today and we're getting through the day without some kind of a disaster or catastrophe again those words disaster means going against the star or going against the stars the word catastrophe is also c-a-t means against just like dis means against and they have the ancient word for star which is aster when when people use the term it was a disaster, like the World Trade Center disaster. We have incorporated in there that something is happening that's going against the stars. Planetary alignments, solar alignments, a void moon, different kinds of things that are going on. And again, to understand 911, you can't just look at the chart. For instance, what we're not looking at is the chart for Osama bin Laden. We're not looking at the chart of the, 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 the hijackers. We're not looking at the chart for when the exact moment the planes actually took off from Boston or Newark or when they actually took off. That would also represent something. Um, there are so many other things that one could look at uh, in trying to understand 911. But I just want you to all understand um, it's an amazing anniversary that we're celebrating. And there is the solar return chart that you will be able to see. Again, it's, it's in the Earth Aquarius News section at greatbearenterprise.com, World Trade Center bombing. And that's an important area to go to. 
but it will also remind you when you look at the 911 chart that we'll get into next time as well about the void moon that it has a solar return for today that there is a chart in a sense they could look at every single year at um, when when sun comes back for September 11th sometimes in solar returns like if you order a birthday report or you get a solar return one of my new readings what happens is sometimes you'll get something like for September 11th the the solar return might happen September 10th you might think oh is that a miscalculation no the sun doesn't always come back exactly on the day of one's birthday or of an anniversary. It could be slightly before. It could be slightly after. So that is not an error. It's just the sun doesn't exactly come back to its position exactly at the same time of your birth or the birth of an anniversary. It could be hours before, hours later. Sometimes that means that your birthday, if you order a birthday report, you might see a birthday report for the day before your birthday and think, oh, there's got to be a mistake. No, it isn't a mistake. It's just whenever the sun comes back. But the thing is, you're not going to have a solar return in any chart like three days before the actual birthday or three days later. It's going to be the day itself, the day before or the day after. It's just whenever it is exactly happening. Um, by the way, and I don't have, I don't know if I have, oh yeah, I do have this in front, in front of me. I'm just going to mention this now. When I do the six U.S. presidents who had void moons, starting with FDR in 1945 and ending, at least at this point, with Joe Biden in 2021, I have not researched all of the U.S. presidents like George Washington, 1789. That was on an odd day, April 30th of 1789, the first inauguration. Then four years later was March 4th. And by tradition, it was March 4th of every uh, four years that the president, by tradition, because of certain things, which I'll get into next time, of the start of the United States government back in 1789, turned out that March 4th wound up became, becoming an archetypal day. Tr by tradition, not necessarily fixed in stone through the Constitution. And that's why the six U.S. presidents were only dealing with the FDR cycle to Joe Biden from 1945 to 2021, because we're dealing with void moons that began with January 20th dates and not, not March 4th. So I'm not looking at a chart for, for when uh, William Henry Harrison became president uh, March 4th of, of 1841. I'm not looking at um, Abraham Lincoln's chart for March 4th of 1861. Um, you go back, you know, William McKinley, March 4th of 1901. I have not investigated every March 4th inauguration date. Um, I, at some point, maybe I'll do that. So I'm only dealing with the ones based on the Constitution, which I'll explain because an amendment got path, passed, the 20th Amendment, when Franklin Roosevelt came into office the first time on March 4th, 1933. Just before that, an amendment had been passed changing the date in the future to January 20th of every year locking in in stone for noon January 20th whenever the presidency is, is happening. So the second time that uh, Franklin Roosevelt became president in his second term was January 20th of 1937, but the first term was March 4th, 1933. It was only because an amendment to the Constitution became passed and then became in effect in October of 1933, affecting the next administration, which it turned out Roosevelt was re-inaugurated, and that was January 20th of 1937. But that was not a void moon. And then he came in a third time 
January 20th of 1941, and there was no void moon. But by the fourth time, nobody, nobody had ever been present three times or four times, the first time we ever had a void moon with the 20th Amendment in effect, where the president comes in on January 20th instead of March 4th, that's the beginning. It's not just a, a void moon that's empowering that affected Roosevelt and the fact that he died a few months later and Harry Truman became president. So that's a preview. We're going to get into that. But this wouldn't have happened had we not created an amendment to the Constitution of the 20th Amendment. Otherwise, the presidents would still be inaugurated March 4th. So this is a very important thing. And depending on void moons, you could have void moons on March 4th, just like January 20th. But now we've done something else. We've made the presidency start at noon on January 20th of whenever the presidential election has happened the previous fall, then the president and the vice president get inaugurated starting at noon. We've put it into the Constitution. It was never there before that. So when presidents were inaugurated on March 4th, by tradition, going back to the second term of George Washington and then John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, it was tradition to do it. And there's more involved with that. We broke out of the tradition and we locked in a January 20th date starting at noon. It, it doesn't say January 20th in the amendment. It says January 20th noon. Okay, so what they've tampered with or what has happened there inadvertently because they didn't realize the power of astrology it's one thing to change the date, and there was a whole reason it has to do with what's called the lame duck Congress and needing the president to come into office earlier than March 4th. That's the whole point, to make it earlier. I'll explain more about that. But they decided to make, since they were doing it, and this got passed by three quarters of the legislatures so that it became law. They put in the word N, and the new term is going to be January 20th at noon. Okay, if they had just said January 20th, there'd still be the room to make it at 11 in the morning or one in the afternoon or whatever if they just said, well, it needs to happen on that day. But they decided to make noon. Oh, let's just make it noon, okay? They don't know astrology, so now you're forced into a thing. If there's a void moon, too bad. You know, the Constitution overrules um, the choice of whether or not the president takes the oath 15 minutes before noon or 20 minutes after. The term starts at noon regardless of the oath of when they're taking. The oath is still significant. And as we'll see, when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris took their oaths, I was very upset about it. Why? Well, there was a void moon. That's a different story. They took their oaths like 15 to 20 minutes before noon. Well, first of all, Donald Trump was still president of the United States until noon. And both of these people are taking oaths while Donald Trump is still actually legally, constitutionally the president of the United States. That doesn't, sound, as they would say in New York, it doesn't sound kosher. And there was a void moon. So that was the earliest. I often watched presidential oaths. It used to happen like very close to noon, like 11.57, 12.02, whatever, because they would time it relatively closely. Maybe they were worried because of the insurrection date of January 6th. Let's get these two people taking their oaths early. And I couldn't believe that they did it that early because, again, the Constitution is saying noon. Okay, that's when it actually begins. The Constitution, I hate to use the word, but trumps or overrides the actual oath-taking of the person putting their hand up, you know, right hand up, left hand on a Bible, whatever whatever you want to swear on. That's a great thing. And that, that is a slightly different chart than the noon chart. Um, so at any rate, we're going to be using the noon chart 
for these administrations with the void moon. Not the exact minute somebody put their hand up and swore an oath, which might have been so many minutes before or after. But personally, I've never seen the oath happening. I think with John F. Kennedy, it was it was it was unusual from my memory. Uh, even though he became president January twentieth, nineteen sixty one, it was a very cold and snowy day. Robert Frost gave you know, um, a talk there and just bitter cold. And he gave a fantastic speech. And I think some of that was delayed in terms of like his taking the oath and other things from memory. And I could go back and study it. But the point was legally, constitutionally, his term began January 20th of 1961, as well as, and let's not forget, the vice president's term is hooked into the same thing, regardless of when the vice president takes the oath also. All right. So now that you know a little bit more here, let's plunge in here. And um, I wish, by the way, one other wish is I wish it didn't have the term void moon because voidness makes it sound, it's kind of like whoever, um, I think it was Mike Brown. He's one of the astronomers. He keeps discovering planets. He's a great guy. And he's discovering a lot of these outer planets. I think he's the, one of the persons who helped to name chaos, chaos. C-H-A-O-S. And that one was discovered relatively early compared, that was 1998. We didn't discover Sedna until November 2003. We didn't discover Eris until January of 2005. Those are very prominent, faraway planets. Plus these other ones, Quayor, Varuna, and some of these other ones. Ixion is another one. Haumea, Maki Maki. They have some weird names, but they're fascinating faraway planets. And you can read about them, you know, in Google or Safari, Maki Maki, M-A-K-E, M-A-K-E, twice. Um, a, a creation god from Easter Island, Haumea, H-A-U-M-E-A. Some of these abbreviations are in these charts, H-A-U or M-A-K. That's standing for Haumea and Maki Maki. Haumea is a fertility goddess um, from, from Hawaii and from that culture. So Sedna is from Eskimo mythology, Inuit mythology, and Eris was the sister of Mars in Greek mythology, who was the catalyst for the Trojan War and so on. Some of the naming of these things I, I wish would, you know, would be thought out more carefully so that we don't evoke out of archetypal names, energies and powers that we can't handle. Same thing with the void, of course, moon. The reason... It's actually, it's not the void moon, it's the void of course. It gives a little bit of an idea, as you'll understand it. It's that in its course of transiting a sign of the zodiac, which again happens between two to two and a half days, if the moon is going at 15 degrees a day, because it's at perigee, the moon is going to be in a sign for about 48 hours. If the moon is going slowly when it's more at apogee, further away, it could take two and a half days, almost 60 hours. The difference is the moon could go through a sign in 48 hours. Okay, that's two full days, 24 to 24. 60 hours is two and a half days, okay? So the, the point is, and then the speed of the moon is another factor, the sign that the moon is in, and then the aspect that the moon makes before going void. The moon could make an aspect of a conjunction to something. It could go opposing something. It could be squaring something 90 degrees. It could be trining something 100, 120 degrees. It could be sextile or 60 degrees. These are what we call these basic Ptolemaic fundamental aspects. So the controversy is that the moon does not, uh, when it goes void, we're not using other aspects, which are not these aspects. And I'll explain more about what those other aspects, they're often called minor aspects. The moon keeps making aspects. And it's also making aspects to bodies like Quayor and Haumea and Ceres, the four main asteroids, and Chiron, discovered in 1977. But the void moon 
concept or methodology doesn't include those bodies. It only included Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto in terms of the three main planets discovered after Saturn, beyond Saturn. So the concept of the moon void includes Uranus, Neptune, Pluto became, because in astrology and astronomy, they were at least accepted. I mean, now Pluto's been demoted by astronomers, never by astrologers. But that's part of this whole controversy. If you're going to work with the moon and its voidness, or whatever voidness means, shouldn't you be consistent and, and also use Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta, and Chiron, or maybe some of these other ones, Eris or Sedna, and then the problem of using all of these bodies is the void moon would almost never exist. It would be for a very short period of time because you'd be creating more and more aspects of trines and oppositions and squares and, and sextiles and conjunctions. And therefore, the whole energy of the void would tend to diminish because the void concept is based on the medieval or ancient idea. I shouldn't even say medieval, the ancient idea of the moon aligning with the six other celestial bodies, the sun. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, okay? So you've got Sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, and the Moon. That's the ancient planetary and solar lunar energies. Doesn't include Uranus in the beginning, doesn't include Neptune, doesn't include Pluto. But when they became discovered, the void Moon expanded to include those planets, but does not include asteroids, doesn't include Chiron, doesn't include outer planets. So... That gives you a little bit more articulation. I'm going to read what I wrote back 26 years ago, and then we'll go to Al Morrison and other astrologers and their views. Um, so here we are. We're about an hour into this, and this will be about another hour. So hopefully it's not going to be... Sometimes I do, as you know, three hours. When I started this two-plus years ago, some of those early podcasts, one was, I think, 45 minutes, believe it or not. And I was told in the beginning, keep it short. <laughs> So we do have, by the way, on the app, there's Astrology in 5, okay? In the Astrology Cosmic Calendar app for iOS or Android, what I'm saying, where you can get for free or subscribe for pennies a day, there's Astrology in 5, a five-minute podcast, and I never go over five minutes. There's Astro Flash. There are a lot of great things. We're also going to expand what's called the Cosmic Chat, um, make it into something not exactly like Facebook, but hopefully putting some more money into all this, the cosmic chat will develop. Right now, I usually just give brief affirmations and different things every week or two. It's called the cosmic chat. Uh, and you're welcome. If you're a part of a subscriber, you can make comments and so on. But hopefully we'll have actually an ongoing, maybe one hour a week. It's not there yet, but in the future, uh, an ongoing chat and sort of almost like the old days of AOL, where you go into a chat room kind of thing and you'd have a have a room where you all be together, kind of going back and forth, that kind of concept, have interactions and questions and answers and themes and so on. But it's not there yet, hopefully in the future. Okay, so here we go. Uh, the Void, of course, Moon, Astrologer Sound Off, page four of that particular uh, issue, Gemini Cancer 1995. Again, you can see the very uh, nicely done, beautiful cover. If you go to the folder, uh, number 86 for podcast 86 at greatbearenterprises.com in the Mark Lerner Astrology Radio Astroscope section. Because these other places, Apple, Spotify, you can listen there, but you can't see the charts or the cover and so on. You've got to go into the folder. So here we go. Editor's note, which is me. This feature containing the views of 10 astrologers, including myself, 
is meant as an opening statement on the subject of the void of course moon. I hope dozens of readers will write in their views and we can print some of them in the magazine and other insights online. And then I mentioned before proceeding, I suggest you're re reviewing page 29 in this current edition for our usual section on the void of course moon. This will familiar familiarize you with the basics. Our first voice to follow this editor's note is that of Al Morrison, the astrologer who has done more than anyone else to popularize the concept of the void of course moon and educate the public about its influence. After Al's views are shared, you can read the opinions of seven of our staff writers and another view on the void of course moon expressed by Maurice McCann. I met Maurice upon arriving at the United Astrology Conference in Monterey in mid-April, that's of 1995. It was an amazing meeting, as I mentioned my plan to do a cover story on the void of course moon, and he just happened to indicate that his thoughts on the subject were very different than Al Morrison's. I should also stipulate that Maurice's views originally come from British astrologer Sue Ward, who was a diligent student of William Lilly's astrology of the 1600s. I knew nothing about the controversy over the void, of course, moon, but apparently many astrologers in Europe view the void, of course, moon differently than we do in the United States. In the interest of fairness, balance, and variety, I suggested that Maurice fax me from London a brief paragraph indicating this alternate view of the void, of course, moon. Now, a few more words on this unusual subject before turning the pages over to our nine writers. I find the Void of Course Moon to be a powerful influence and astrological tool. Tool. I watch it and try to avoid making big moves during a lunar Void of Course time period. I've written about it in every cosmic calendar appearing in this journal in, for nearly 15 years. Nevertheless, I have questions about it. Why only utilize the major aspects from the days of Ptolemy? Why not include the quintile, 72 degrees, the semi-square, 45 degrees, the sesquiquadrate, 135 degrees, and the inconjunct, 150-degree aspects? Now that we've discovered the three outer planets during the last 214 years, and they are included in modern void-of-course work, why not add Chiron, the four main asteroids, and other bodies. Where's the logic in all this? When I talked with Maurice, he was more conservative and specific about the whole subject and suggested strongly that the local ascendant and part of fortune needed to be included in void of course analysis. I wondered why just the part of fortune and not other parts? Why the ascendant and not other angles? The jury is still out on all of this. My goal is to start an intelligent discussion on the entire subject in the magazine. And then I started the rest of this. I'm not sure if it's available, but I'll just mention this. I also suggest you're reviewing the chapter called Void of Course Moon Strategies for Doing Business by psychiatrist, horary astrologer Anthony Lewis, pages 138 to 167 in the Llewellyn New World Astrology series book, How to Use Vocational Astrology, for success in the workplace. The last two pages of his chapter contain a wonderful biography that will point you toward other reference works on the Void of Course Moon. So, and then I gave a paragraph here about some other things that don't really exist now. It had to do with 
Microsoft network and email and my address back 26 years ago. At any rate, I ended up by saying, we all need to share our views on this topic as a comprehensive astrological experiment in collective learning. Send, send your ideas as soon as possible. So again, now you can send me ideas, okay, to greatbearenterprise.com. My email is mark at greatbearenterprises.com. So if you have views, uh, particularly in the near future, we're going to do more online magazine type of work. And I love your views. If you send me an email and you have worked with the Void Moon or you have questions about it, we could put that in a, a letter to the editor of a future online journal. Okay, here we go. Al Morrison, the expert. Like I said, he was born with the sun in Cancer, same sun sign as the United States, moon in Libra. He was born at a first quarter moon, pretty close to that. He's a very fascinating birth chart. And uh, his moon is very close to the United States Saturn, which is interesting because Saturn is the traditional ruler of time, time itself. So the fact that he shared this and was so prominent in awakening American astrologers to this factor, I think it's interesting that his moon and his sun were, were square, uh, which, is, which is a time often of crisis and tension in the world. Um, and at the same time, his moon is very close to the United States Saturn. Okay. Al Morrison, again, he passed away right around the time that this publication came out. Let me tell you the history of my ephemeris of the void of course moon. This is Al H. Morrison. In April of 1940, during a social visit, Barbara Hunt, later Barbara Hunt Waters, imposed on me a reading of my horoscope. I was annoyed that she could tell me so much of myself from what I then regarded as superstition. Mayor LaGuardia was on the ra radio saying he would, cause a map, he would cause a map of Greenwich Village to be set in a tile in Greenwich Square. Miss Barbara said, oh, no, Morrison, that ain't going to happen. The moon is void, of course. Uh, and then in parenthesis, Al wrote, it still has not happened. There is no tile map of Greenwich Village anywhere in the square, uh, with closed parenthesis. The next day, I began looking at events to see what would come of decisions and actions taken during periods of void of course moon. The more I checked it out, the more definite it seemed that somehow every such decision or action had unexpected results, usually other than desired by the people taking the initiative. After 26 years of such observations, I was finally asked to speak at the 1966 AFA Convention. That's the American Federation of Astrologers Convention. I offered a list of topics. Paul Grell, Executive Se Secretary, selected the Void of Course Moon topic because he had never heard any lecture about it. In the hassle that developed, it occurred to me that... It occurred to me that I make a calendar of the periods of void of course moon in the manner of an arrivals departures bulletin board in railroad stations. I called it the void of course moon ephemeris, made this title with rub on letters from the stationery shop. Later I revised it to the ephemeris of the void of course moon. The 27th annual edition of the ephemeris of the void of course moon now bears facsimile of that first ever handmade title unchanged except for a rearrangement of the words. I was the first person in history to make up such an ephemeris format. After the first edition, I found the aspectarian in Raphael's ephemeris was too incomplete for use as a reference. I paid substantial fees to William J. Kennick to compute them for me from an excellent Swiss ephemeris. Again, uh, just so you know, an ephemeris has all the sun, moon, and planetary information in astrology. Back to Al. 
I first made up a single flat sheet version of the void of course moon with an explanation of how the void of course moon can be observed. I distributed this flat sheet free to all who would accept it for 15 years before somebody included $3 with a request. Thinking that there had been some error, I returned it. The next day, somebody else did the same thing. I realized that I had created a market for a previously unknown product, if you can call it a product. Thus encouraged, I invented the wallet-sized format, the shape and proportions of a folded $1 bill, and for the first time suggested contributions, no amount specified. The contributions I began receiving ranged from zero to as much as $17. Quite a while earlier, I had to change the starting point away from the 1st of January to something closer to the vernal equinox to frustrate people who demanded the computings to include in their own astrological calendars while paying me nothing toward my costs and getting the computing done. There, then so many people wanted versions for their own time zones, I prepared versions for the four major U.S. time zones. I color-coded them to minimize confusion. The text I finalized in the late 60s still stands with almost no editorial change, still reproduced from the expensive typesetting of the original uh, version. I could add 10,000 examples of the apparent manifestations of the void of course moon if I had kept the bales of incoming letters and notes. Alas, I didn't. The most interesting advances beyond the basic story are that occasionally a good deal is made between two parties who have both totally given up on any success in a particular problem. A couple out west who had almost no money, no great prospects of getting more, in dire need of housing, willing to accept a rundown wreck of a house to fix up after purchase, found a landlord who had given up all hopes of selling it, unwilling to continue paying taxes, un unable to persuade tenants to live in it. The moon was void, of course, when they first saw the house and when they closed the deal soon after. It is wrong to say, quote, and this is important, it is wrong to say, quote, nothing can come of the matter, unquote. That is horary tradition, thousands of years old. In horary astrology, the void, of course, moon means that something is wrong with the query. The querent does not have correct information about the real situation so that nothing can come of a misunderstood situation. I have noticed that enemies of astrology seeking hassles often pose horary queries with the moon void, of course, naturally. With the exception of a comparable version published in Australia for a few years, I am the only publisher in the world who publishes the neat wallet-sized ephemeris of the void moon. Neil F. Mickelson learned the concept from me at a convention. Then, when he computed and published the American ephemeris in 1977, he included the figures for the void, of course, moon as of Greenwich time. That put not only the concepts in the public domain, no longer just in Hori, but also the figures. I have actively sought to have all publishers of astrological calendars include information about the void, of course, moon in their works. I do not compete with them. My item fits into your wallet. I do consider the void, of course, moon essential to any elective astrology. Uh, let me pause here. Elective astrology or electional astrology is the ancient astrology of electing to do something, hopefully at an auspicious time, usually auspicious time, in order to accomplish something. So it's called electional astrology. It has nothing to do with elections of, of, of politicians. So again, back to Al. I do consider the void, of course, moon essential to any elective astrology. 
It is not the only factor naturally, but for thousands of people using my very simple work, it is all they have available. In the early 90s, an editor comment, commented that my essay, summing up about 32 years of observations, appeared to him to be a bright, novel, untested idea, just emerged a few hours before he read it and said so, said so in so many words. In response, I added a new section titled Notes, in an effort to make the traditional conservative reportage into a form he could accept. In all these 27 years of continuous annual editions, I have not yet been able to produce even one which did not contain some error escape, escaping all proofreadings. My theory is that my natal Mercury square Chiron, I find this humorous, my, my theory is that my natal Mercury square Chiron has something to do with this lifelong dis difficulty. I am a concepts person, not a computing person. So This is in bold, by the way. So far as I know, I am the only astrological publisher who ever did a recall program. And then he says, uh, automobile builders such as General Motors, Honda, and others do that. Astrologers in general don't or can't. My eyesight failed before I got the 27th annual edition translated from Mickelson's GMT, Greenwich Mean Time Figures, with disastrous results. I've just done a recall program for the Eastern Time Zone version. I had Lori Efren work out the figures and type them on our word processor. She also did the other time zones for me. Today, April 12, 1995, half year later than planned, they finally got published. Al Morrison, P.O. Box 75, Old Chelsea Station, New York, New York, 10113. Again, Al passed away around the time this magazine came out, ironically and sadly. Uh, bless, bless your soul out there, uh, Al, but thank you for all your wisdom. Before going on to the next person who was Greg Castellucci, uh, the, again, the, I thought for a moment that um, Al would have written here about the origins of this, but fundamentally, as I shared before, what, what the Void of Course Moon attempts to do, and it goes back about 2,000 years, um, to Ptolemy, uh, a Greek uh, who, astrologer who was in Egypt and wrote a number of books which are being researched in modern times by many astrologers. The Ptolemaic aspects, when you get a software program now, uh, are the conjunction when celestial bodies are zero degrees apart or close to zero, when planets are what we call opposite or in polarity, 180 degrees, when the planets are trine, 120 degrees, a triangular link, and uh, when the planets are square at right angles or 90 degrees, and when the planets are sextile or 60 degrees. These are the traditional aspects that were involved with astrology over the centuries when we had the Sun, Moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, the seven sacred celestial bodies, so to speak. But again, as I said, even though we're only using the conjunction, the opposition, the trine, the square, and the sextile, and we're not using other uh, aspects, quintile of 72 degrees, half of a square called the semi-square of 45 degrees, sesqui quadrate, which is a square and a half, 135 degrees. And then there are other minor aspects, okay, that are even more subtle. A novile is 40 degrees. A decile is 36 degrees or one-tenth of the circle. And there are other ones, okay, just as there's a quintile, which is based on uh, planets being uh, in a five-pointed star, shall we say. And there's all this esoterics about that because Venus makes a five-pointed star pattern in our zodiac um, over uh, an eight-year time period, which is very amazing. And as many of you know, 
I wrote a book called Mysteries of Venus back in 1986. And, and that's where I'm reading from Astrology in 5 on the app. Okay, at Astrology Cosmic Calendar, calendar with a K, you'll see Astrology in 5. And on the cover of, of the book, um, I don't think we have the cover there, but you see uh, an angelic figure with the Earth and a five-point star uh, crossing uh, the Earth. And Venus, therefore, is actually very, very prominent in making, shall we say, this massive series of quintile patterns over, over an eight-year time period. This goes back to Rudolf Steiner and other seers and other amazing people in the field of esoterics and what the planet Venus does in our zodiac relative to the Earth. And so that's all in my book. And I've already explained part of that in Astrology in 5 on the app. Um, okay, so as you're hearing from me, I have questions about the void moon because it doesn't include minor aspects or these subtler aspects. It doesn't include Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta. It doesn't include Chiron. And ironically, Al just wrote near the end um, where he's talking about Mercury squaring his Chiron, and yet I thought it was interesting um, that he's talking about his theory, and he was talking, he said, my theory is that my natal Mercury square Chiron has something to do with this lifelong difficulty. It had to do with find, trying to find errors in proofreading. This Mercury has a lot to do with, with writing and proofreading and words, and Chiron can have to do with a certain woundedness, not that it has to be bad. And Chiron also has to do with shamans and mentors and so on. So it's ironic that he's using an aspect, talking about it, but Chiron has never been used to calculate whether a moon is void or not void. It has not been included. Okay, so let's go on here. The next void, of course, Greg Castellucci from 26 years ago. Things aren't always as they seem. Human experience is almost always more complex than simple rules would hope to dictate. Technically, the moon is void, of course, if it will not make any further major aspects to other planets before leaving given sign. Quite often in mundane and horary astrology, a void, of course, moon does point to an apparent lack of momentum in the situation at hand. But what about the less obvious, the so-called minor aspects? Can these be casually tossed aside, disregarded? Is there a subtle difference between the moon that will yet complete one of these before changing signs and the truly void, of course, moon that will make no aspects whatsoever? The minor aspects are less obvious, both to the eye and in their expression. When the moon is void, of course, except for such an aspect, this may indeed indicate a lack of objective momentum apparent direction or conscious purpose. The minor aspect will, however, point to perhaps less obvious but nevertheless related matters that are yet to be encountered before the overall situation can be declared as having been fully experienced or truly spent. The semi-sextile, and by the way, what is a semi-sextile? I'm adding this now, 30 degrees or half of a sextile six degrees. Back to Greg Castellucci. The semi-sextile may reveal unfinished business, however trivial or needless worry. Septiles, by the way, septiles, um, I'm adding this now, are 51 degrees and 26 minutes, or one-seventh of the circle, another minor aspect that Greg is talking about. Septiles, or bi- or tri-septiles, reveal extremely crucial, perhaps even painful issues, which need to be confronted before the matter can be successfully resolved or laid to rest, perhaps subtle, but never trivial, and so on. That being said, I generally find that a truly void, of course, moon in a horary chart does indicate a lack of genuine urgency or true concern on the part of the querent. By the way, the querent means 
the, the person asking the question, okay, to an astrologer or to the universe. Uh, back to Greg, it may be a situation from which they've already disengaged themselves emotionally. This is the person asking the question. It may be a situation from which they've already dis disengaged themselves emotionally or may indicate unanticipated developments just around the corner which will serve that same purpose. Either way, it tends to make the question a moot one. In mundane affairs astrology, the period of the void of course moon can be a good time, as I turn the page, to reflect on recent events and or to recuperate from them to absorb and assimilate the experiences brought by the current lunar transit by sign and to regroup and recharge one's soul in preparation for the next phase. It may help to resort to methods conducive to the given sign. Example, the moon void, of course, in Cancer may be a good time to retire at home. In Leo, might be best to relax by doing something playful or partying, etc. So that's Greg Castellucci. Void, of course, moon by Jean Mosier. This is a short section. From Jean. When the moon becomes void, of course, the flow of energy that moves life along becomes random. You can feel it. There is a way of using this lack of direction to advantage. By being conscious and focused in the mental spiritual realm, it is possible to direct energy through this quote unquote void period. It is often handy to have the activity elevated above that directed by the moon. Emotional obstacles are without juice especially if they arise from old, unconscious patterns. Next one, Void of Course Moon by Alex Miller-Mignon. This is a technique I wish I could say I never used, but old superstitions die hard. I don't know where it came from or who pioneered it, but I find it excessively negative and fatalistic. I was introduced to the concept early in my astrological education, and for a while I pursued it quite religiously. However, although... I usually still pay lip service to the concept when scheduling important events or making initiatory contacts. I have never really noticed a correlation to the supposed effects in my real life. That is, I have not noted consistently that items purchased under a void of course moon later were not used or decisions made then were, quote, bad, unquote, or plans agreed to at that time did not later pan out. I think it's a shame that negative ideas like this become entrenched in the astrological repertoire. I feel it gives the profession more of a of the, quote, gypsy fortune teller, unquote, atmosphere, which has been used so effectively by our critics to devalue our contributions. By the way, I'm going to just say I can't agree with Alex more in what he just said. You know, that is absolutely something I affirm. Back to Alex Miller-Mignon. At the very least, if such a technique is to be used, it should be included in all major aspects when computations are made. That is, semi-sextiles, inconjuncts, semi-squares, and sesquiquadrates would need to be considered as well in determining at what point the moon becomes void. To suggest that the moon is somehow impaired while still forming its crescent phase, semi-square with the sun, seems to be ludicrous, as would be the case under the present system, for example, with a 10-degree Aries sun, a 24-degree Taurus moon, and latest degree planet at 23 degrees. Okay, so now we go on to Kelly, M. Kelly Hunter, Void of Course Moon. These usually few hours are a time when there is no set agenda. It can make it difficult for things to stick, to ground. It is a good time to kick back and cool out, take a break, give some room to the moon changing sign. Since there is no particular energy the moon is trying to incorporate into our lives, it is also a time when anything can happen, even magic. 
a special time for rituals, perhaps, for activities out of the normal. I must admit I don't always keep track of the voids. I usually, I, I usually sail through. Um, but I have learned not to try to plan meetings or try to accomplish something specific during that time. My local astrology discussion group had a meeting during a void, of course, and did we notice it? Exclamation point. We could not seem to stay on topic, but we had a great time exploring a range of issues and finally came to the realization that the moon was void, of course. Okay, next one. Void, of course, moon. Quan Tra Tracy Cherry. My partner of five years was born with a void moon in Pisces. Again, so let me just point out, you can be born with a void moon, but that moon is not necessarily void if you start including minor aspects, okay? Uh, semi-sextile, 30 degrees, or semi-square, uh, semi 45 degrees, and so on, or in conjunct, 150 degrees, or if you included the four main asteroids, Chiron, and maybe Sedna Eris, then you wouldn't have a void moon. At any rate, uh, as Quan as was staying at the beginning, my partner of five years was born with a void moon in Pisces. I shiver sometimes when I think about her psychic intuitive abilities. Although I was the professional psychic of the family, I often went to her for clearance. We were together as she was writing her dissertation. I noticed that she would almost always invariably begin to write her research as the moon went void. For the first couple of weeks, I didn't tell her about this strange pattern, and after I did, she found she worked better. She worked better when the moon was out there, okay? Uh, at least that's how he referred to it. We bought a car on a void moon. Um, we shared the car without any problems. The car still runs perfectly. The car, however, was in my partner's name. What would have happened if I had my name on the title, Mystery? An, an astrologer foretold wrongly that the car would cause problems in our life because of the lore surrounding the void moon. It didn't. People born on void moons are special. If they, if they keep a spiritual focus in their lives, they can do anything they desire. But if they have a primarily materialistic bent, the universe pulls the rug out from under them. My son has a south node of the moon in Cancer in the eighth house. Stop thinking about his possible neediness, okay? I observe when the moon voids, he becomes crankier. He's a solid curmudgeon. He will nap longer in a void moon as well. For those in the corporate world of the nine to five, May God bless you. However, the star goddesses will shine their lights more if you do one thing. Look at your astrological calendars, and on those mornings when the moon is void, set your alarm clock at an earlier time. Drink coffee or plenty of water on those mornings. At my former job at a major testing company in Iowa, I observed whenever the moon stopped communicating with other planets, people would begin to mill around. They would stand in their doorways or find excuses to leave early. I found that I could gather exceptional personal, the moon is strictly personal, information about normally busy and inaccessible people at those times. Astrological readings are normally musical during these lunar times. Clients and friends alike are more receptive to the information. I love these periods if I'm able to do exactly what I feel like doing. If I have to work at something I do not enjoy, I attempt to procrastinate until the moon changes signs. Now, Kim Rogers Gallagher um, the void, of course, moon periods from from Kim. Okay, um, there are lots of topics out there in astrology land that somehow continue to remain amazingly obscure, regardless of how much is publicized about them. This, friends, is one of them. But it doesn't have to be. What I've discovered about all topics this fuzzy is that it's best to start by considering what you already know about the topic, just by virtue of the words used to describe it. 
In other words, keep it simple. Allow the topic to explain itself by listening to what the words already sound like to the naked, unastrological ear. For example, void means empty or devoid, something that simply doesn't count. Void also means canceled out. Now, take all of those phrases you already know and apply them to the moon's void of course periods. And think of it like this. Whatever actions you take at this time are void too, as good as erased. The traditional definition of the void of course moon is that, quote, nothing will come out of this, unquote. And it's true. When something has begun under a void of course moon, nothing comes out of it. Honest. The action is wasted, irrelevant, or incorrect. If it's incorrect, it's because information that's necessary is missing. Now, I hate to sound negative about this. I've got to turn the page here. Uh, hold on. <laughs> We're almost there. Sorry. Uh, I hate to sound negative about this. This is, again, Kim Rogers Gallagher fig uh, finishing up here. Because the void, of course, moon isn't all bad news. This is the time when the universe, in its infinite wisdom, is open to loopholes. It's a great time to make plans you don't want to fulfill to schedule things you don't want to do. In fact, kids, if you make plans during a void of course period and set them up for a time when the moon is void, you can kiss those plans goodbye, just like you want it. Work works out good. In other words, like the song says, quote, to everything there is a season, unquote, and a time that's perfect, even for faking it. Uh, Stephen Henthorne. We're down to the last two people writing about this. Stephen Henthorne. Void of course moon. Just I just checked. We'll be having one in an hour or so. I'll be asleep by then, so I'm not worried. Dad, Dad's pun is, quote, it's void, of course, exclamation point, unquote. So how do I use the void of course moon? Well, not on a daily basis. Naturally, I use it in horary charts as an indication against interpretation. We've interpreted the code, quote, burn before reading further, unquote. Of course, I check to see if I can figure out why I can't get an answer to my question, Often it's because I worded it badly or my emotions were confused. I also use it in election astrology to make sure I'm not starting anything important during a void of course moon. Sometimes they've even deliberately finished something during a void of course moon. Also, whenever something emotional happens in my life, I check the moon's position. Usually it's activating my moon square to Uranus Pluto midpoint. Okay, midpoints are the middle points in the zodiac between any two celestial bodies or a celestial body in an angle, and there's two ends to any midpoint. So there are dozens of midpoints in everybody's charts, in the sky of transits and progressions. Okay, back to Stephen Henthorne. Uh, the, this morning, I suffered a chain reaction accident at work due to a hidden bottle and broke a pint of toasted sesame oil, then spilled all sorts of water trying to clean it up and ended with shattered nerves. Guess what? The moon squared my Neptune when it happened. But whenever I find that I'm not sure what my emotions are, that's when the void, of course, moon is in effect. One last thing. Never, ever set a date when the moon is void, of course. Okay, now, the last one is Maurice McCann. And again, he goes back to um, an astrologer who studied William Lilly, a famous British astrologer of the 1600s. So some of his views, and I can't necessarily, when I read this, it's very, very short. He uses some terms that may not be familiar with you or other astrologers. Um, so again, Maurice McCann. In my opinion, the true meaning of the void of course moon was made by the English astrologer Sue Ward after completing her study of William Lilly's own definition in Christian astrology. Again, this goes back a long time, 400 years ago in England. If the moon was outside the moiety of orbs to another planet, 
William Lilly considered it to be void of course. The orbs of the sun were 17 degrees. The moon's orbs 12 degrees, 12 and a half degrees. Mercury's um, orb 7 degrees. Venus 8 degrees. Mars 7 and a half. Jupiter 12 and Saturn 10. The moiety was ascertained by adding the orbs of the two planets and dividing by two. This means that a void of course moon can occur anywhere in a sign at the beginning or middle, as well as at the end. It is nothing more than an unaspected planet in a natal chart. Maurice McCann, co-author of Eclipses, the PowerPoints of Astrology uh, in London, England, and so on. He gave a telephone number, fax number, and so on. Okay, we're done with, um, I'm going to just sum up some of the things here because there's some other points I want to sort of bring up. Um, and luckily, we're at an hour and a half, so that's not too bad, um, considering how often I share a lot of things. And because I'm going to wait to do the USA void moon and the 911 void moon and the six other presidential inauguration charts with void moons, that's a lot. Maybe I'll be able to do that in, in all in part two and won't have a part three. I don't know. But this is important. His last, his last comment that, according to him, uh, and, and again, the moiety, when he uses moiety, that, that's an unusual term. Um, so one could go into a long explanation. And of all the things that I've read here, this is probably the most confusing. But at least he said at the end, uh, this means that a void, of course, moon can occur anywhere in a sign at the beginning or middle as well as at the end. And it is nothing more than an unaspected planet in a natal chart. Now, this brings up an interesting point. In, in, in my way of thinking about things. The reason why the void, of course, moon is a, a crucial thing. Like, why isn't, why don't we have the concept of the void, of course, Mercury, the void, of course, Venus, even a void, of course, Sun? Because what he's bringing up is a different way, according to this very famous, uh, knowledgeable, wise astrologer, William Lilly, who was probably the most famous astrologer in England or maybe in the whole world in the 1600s, or, or one of them for sure. So the thing is, is that um, I was thinking about this. Okay, if you remember, where is this com coming from? It's coming from an astrology where Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto were not known. Now, if astrology just began right now, I mean, we wouldn't, the, a void, of course, moon probably would never have come up as a concept. It came up as a concept because the moon was different than the other six celestial bodies. Um, of course, if you go back to Ptolemy, you go back 2,000 years and so on. Let's remember, we didn't know, at least officially, in the Western world until Copernicus, okay, in the 1500s. Uh, and again, the Vatican tried to, to dismiss this and they put Galileo on trial and locked him up and did all these different things that the sun was at the center of the solar system because the ancient idea was that the earth was, and therefore we sort of screwed around. We didn't understand the orbits of planets and so on. They, uh, there were people like people like Hipparchus and other Hipparchus who theorized, this is back in ancient Greece, that the sun was at the center of the solar system, but nobody accepted it. So before Copernicus, it wasn't as if nobody had the idea that the sun is actually at the center of everything, not the earth. So the fact that the earth was at the center of, of all these different areas is, is rather important as, as an idea. But what struck me is that um, the moon moves so quickly that to give the moon more understanding in older astrology, the idea of the fact that the moon 
was going to be near the end of a sign and it would be sort of having become void in its course as a transit, that the, the power of these Ptolemaic aspects of conjunction, opposition, trine, square, sextile, those patterns or those main aspects or, or mathematical alignments were so etched into the concept of how astrology worked mathematically and geometrically, and we didn't have all these other planets to be thinking about, that the concept of how fast the moon was moving, so it would be making a square to something and an opposition and a trine and so on to different planets over two days, and then suddenly it wouldn't make any more of those. That's how this main concept came in, that the moon is now void. It's like, it's like free of making all the alignments and the moon is just sort of let go you know, toward the end of the sign, that there's so many minutes or so many hours. And sometimes because of more celestial bodies in the earlier parts of a sign, you could even have, and it still happens, when you read what, uh, when you read the cosmic calendar, astrology cosmic calendar with a K, again, your app, and you do it, um, whether it's one day at a time or you decide to subscribe so you can look into the future and be your own Nostradamus, then you'll see every couple of days, you know, the moon is void. And there have been voids recently when I'm writing about it, this is over a day, like sometimes 27 hours where the moon is void using the traditional concept of the void moon. Other times I've seen it like 13 minutes, 15 minutes. The usual thing is a couple hours. Sometimes it's six hours, eight hours, 10 hours, 13 hours. As the planets are moving around, and remember we're using now Mer the, the moon contacting the sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, but now Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, they're all being used. Nothing else is used, and none of the minor aspects are used. Now, um, th so the question I have, so I understand where it all came from, because the moon was so powerful, and the other thing, let's remember, is that while the sun sign was kind of known, I mean, somebody is born January 1, you know, Almost everybody would understand that individuals born in the Capricorn time period. The sun is in that area known as Capricorn. Somebody is born um, May 1st, the sun is in Taurus. Somebody born the end of June, their, their sun is in the sign Cancer. The moon had to be understood. You needed to go to some kind of moon guide or look, look in the sky where the moon is. You can't know somebody's moon or where the moon is unless you have an ephemeris or some kind of position marking that out. So that's where the mystery of so much in astrology, it's not that the sun was unmysterious. Of course, new moons, full moons, eclipses, quarter moons, phases, the sun making different alignments. So the thing, though, that's interesting to me is the concept of the void moon is that generally as the moon is sort of moving through toward the end of the sign, it's not going to make any more of these traditional alignments. Well, we also have, it's just never been sort of created, Mercury, we just had Venus, for instance, go into Scorpio. Okay, so Venus was going through Libra for so many weeks. There, there came a time, it's not, you can't find this in an ephemeris, okay? You could, you could figure it out, that, the moon, that, that Venus was in alignment or the moon was making alignment to Venus. It might have been a trine or whatever it was. But then Venus itself would not be making any alignments to any other of these celestial bodies, the moon, the sun, Mercury, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. In other words, there is and, and will be as planets and the sun as well. It's not just the moon going void. Everything, every celestial body at some point is becoming void, okay, in terms of those alignments that are least accepted in terms of 
the void of course moon going back to the conjunction the opposition the trine the square and the sextile those are the aspects that are used to determine voidness of the moon so even though the concept is very prevalent and we use it and i have had it in welcome planet earth and we'll continue to have it so now you know a lot more about different astrologers whether they use it or not here's another thing that i've never shared okay and this is important one of the things that i think can help us to understand the positive side of a void moon whether it's for a few minutes a few hours even a long time is that if the moon starts its void during say the i'll just give you an example a trine of 120 degrees let's say the moon trines jupiter okay and that is the beginning of the void that's a very different energy than the moon conjunct pluto starting a void so one of the things that i'm just giving you as a tip okay i don't always articulate it every two to two and a half days i don't always say two things i depending on how much i have to write for a particular entry and some days there's a lot to write so i might say oh there's a void moon it starts at this time and it ends at such a time sometimes i'll say the moon is conjuncting pluto and starts a void or the moon is trying jupiter or the moon is squaring venus whatever what i'm saying is is that based on whether you use the void or not knowing that there are minor aspects that can still be happening even though the moon is is what is called void there could be a semi-sexto 30 degrees there could be a septile of 51 degrees there could be a quintile of 72 degrees that are not included in void uh, usage or processing nevertheless th one of the key things is when i do share the aspect and i don't always do it but when i do share the aspect in cosmic calendar i say moon trying Jupiter starting a void or let's say sometimes we'll see um, the new moon and even have a situation if the new moon is in the middle or toward the end of the sign sometimes as soon as the new moon happens or the full moon a void will happen well that's a pretty powerful void because it's starting when the sun and moon are coming together or they're um, opposite each other and so you have the solar and lunar energies that's an enormous power to begin a void cycle whatever the void means and let's always remember the void moon has a power for the sign that it's in and it and it and after it leaves that sign then it's entering a new sign and suddenly the moon is like reborn that's part of the energy the, the moon has such an enormous power to the ancients and medieval astrologers and looking at the nuances of the moon's meaning and personality and moods and feelings and emotions and like i said even reincarnation your instincts in life the subliminal world your dreams your imagination the moon has this whole magical realm and let's remember the whole idea of phase of the moon the sun is basically constant for the most part whether it's a stormy day or not i mean luckily we live in a solar system which is not a flare star or twin star situation of two suns revolving around each other or you know a, a variable star where one day i mean we do have sunspots we do have solar flares you know minimum maximum we're entering a new you know so a sunspot maximum cycle we have to worry about things like solar flares and coronal mass ejections i've written about that the carrington event from september 1 1859 i mean the dangers of all this stuff with cryptocurrencies and you know putting all our banking information online everything online i mean including what i'm doing i mean what we're all doing we're so used to doing things on computers and virtual reality and facebook and social media what happens if there's a solar storm a coronal mass ejection some kind of you know massive influence where we can't turn on the computers we can't go online and do the things we have too many things that are not 
no longer part of the real solid world, which gets into things like money. Um, again, this is why having gold or having silver, or having silver coins or having cash on hand, you know, whether it's American currency or something else. I mean, let's not go completely out of our minds here where we don't have a focus, just like with emergencies, you always hear people say, have enough water, have blankets, right? You know, have flashlights, different things that you need during an emergency. That's true for that. But it's also like everything can't be in a cryptocurrency wallet somewhere, you know, even if it's, so to speak, protected or it seems to be protected and so on. This is not against cryptocurrencies. Again, you know, in some kind of internet storm or area like that, regular banks, again, you're not going to be easily able to go online. You could still go to the actual bank, you know, assuming the physical bank exists. So at least there's that. And one could potentially, based on the previous uh, uh, balance in your account, savings or checking account, you know, um, there would be a record of some kind of thing. And maybe there's a possibility of getting withdrawal or something like that. But what I'm trying to say here is that we've got to be really careful with all of this stuff and our information and things that are online or not. But this final concept here is, at least as a hint, if I'm sharing in the cosmic calendar and I and I provide information like moon, trine, Venus, or sextile 60 degrees to, to Venus or Jupiter or Mercury or the sun and so on, there are certain more fortuitous beginnings of a void moon than something like, and I'm only, I'm not saying anything about bad about Pluto necessarily, but I would think there's a difference between, let's say, a void of course moon that starts one of the best void, void, of course, moons would be, say, moon conjunct Venus, let's say. Well, the moon-Venus conjunctionary month can be really good for love, creativity, creative artistry, social activity, money-making things, and so on. All these different Venusian things. It's still a moon-Venus conjunction or a moon-Venus trine, let's just say. If that begins a void, even if it's for a few minutes and so on, or a few hours, that's a different vibration of voidness, of whatever that means to you, than moon opposite Pluto, or moon squaring Pluto, or moon squaring Saturn, or moon um, opposite Saturn, okay, to, you know, or, or moon conjunct Mars, or moon squaring Mars, or moon opposite Mars. Again, not that Mars, Saturn, and Pluto, or we, we could also use Uranus or Neptune, but some of the other planets, rather than say Mercury, Venus, and Jupiter, or the Sun, if the moon is aspecting those, and the aspect is more conducive, more favorable, like a trine or a sextile, um, then the tendency is that whatever is happening during the vo void would have a vibration. This is just my personal feeling about it that is more flowing, it's more harmonious of whatever how many minutes or hours we're talking about when, when the void is taking place. I don't articulate that in the cosmic calendar, but I'm giving you that through this podcast as an idea so that it can add sort of fuel and understanding as you're trying to understand how voidness happens and what you can do with it all. So now you've got the slant of so many different astrologers. We're going to go next time. Oh, I know I wanted to say one other thing. Um, I did do this research and I will remind you of it. After 2021, you know, we have six U.S. presidents that we're going to be talking about from January 20th of 1945, Roosevelt's fourth term to the current Biden administration or the Biden-Harris administration, January 20th of 2021. So just to, to show you that, that I haven't faulted here about Nostradamus-like stuff, not only do we have the cosmic calendar that I've been doing for 40 years going into the future several weeks, again, right now you can subscribe to Astrology Cosmic Calendar with a K and get that for your iOS or Android phone and start looking into the future and 
using the future time of tomorrow, next week, a couple of weeks from now, and be able to plan things and avoid void moons or understand when they're happening and use positive alignments of the moon and the sun and various planets or knowing knowing the phases of the moon, new moons, full moons, eclipses, all, Chiron, the four main asteroids. There's so much in the cosmic calendar. So at the same time, I decided to go into the future. When will we have another U.S. president at, with a void moon? Knowing that we're going to have January 20th of 2025 will be the next inauguration. And then it'll be January 20th of 2029 and then January 20th of 2033. Okay, so these are the future time periods every four years beyond the current one. So we're not going to have another void moon. I'm not, I will go into this at another point toward the end of, of the next uh, podcast. But just so you know, um, January 20th of 2045, the next void moon for an administration after this one with Biden is 24 years in the future. 2045 is the next time that president and vice president based, as long as we still have the 20th Amendment with the Constitution saying noon on January 20th is the start of the administration, then that president, vice president, man, woman, whoever it is going to be of whatever uh, race, religion, philosophy, uh, they will start that administration January 20th during a, uh, 2045 during a void moon. So I've, I will share information about that. Uh, right now it's scribbled down on information. And then the next one after that is going to be 2057, January 20th of 2057, only 12 years later. So there's 24 years between now, the Biden-Harris administration being void. We'll get into that and, you know, some of the deeper meanings of, of the voidness for this current term, which is which worries me a whole lot. This is not, you know, regardless of whether you or I or anybody else think that Joe Biden is a decent guy or you don't think he is or whether the election was fair or whether it was unfair, the two people who are in power now wind up being at the mercy, shall we say, of an extreme void moon. And that's another thing. I think there are levels of extremism um, to a void moon. So I will get into why that is and how I interpret that when we get into the thick of the of the six U.S. presidents and their void moon energies. But nevertheless, it's 24 years that we have to wait for another void moon at a presidential inauguration. Uh, and then 2057, 12 years after that, there'll be another void moon. And I even went further, January 20th of 2073, which would be, what, 16 years after that. Uh, Friday, January 20th, 2073. What is that? Six, uh, 50, 52 years from now? Yeah, 52 years from now. I've even looked there because these ephemeris is the current one, the Neil Mickelson 21st century ephemeris. I haven't looked beyond 2073, but now there's your trifecta of future void moons based on the setting in stone of the 20th Amendment forcing presidents and vice presidents to start their terms at noon on January 20th. There are three more time periods and, and there you go. Talk about knowing stuff in the future, 24 years from now, and then 12 years after that, and then another 16 years. Those are the next three when we know, based on the Constitution, those leaders, whoever coming in, are going to, regardless of whether they do it at 11.45 in the morning or 12.30 in the afternoon, their terms will start at noon on January 20th. Now, asterisk, were there to be some kind of a weird thing now or at any 
given time where both the president and the vice president, who both, for instance, well, just take any president or vice president, Roosevelt and Truman, 1945. Something had happened there, you know, two days after Roosevelt and Truman took their oaths and they began their term. And we know Roosevelt, you know, which we'll get into, he died of a cerebral hemorrhage on April 12th of 1945. And then later, uh, just a few hours later, uh, Harry Truman went to the White House and it was a big deal. Now, let's remember, there was a different, they didn't, they hadn't yet passed um, the Presidential Succession Act. Okay, that was another, that's the 25th Amendment. So, for instance, what was in effect was the fact that January 20th and noon was the beginning of administrations and the first void moon was in 1945. But when the president actually died, okay, they raced Harry Truman to get him, and I believe if I remember correctly, Eleanor Roosevelt showed up. Um, Franklin Roosevelt was in Warm Springs, Georgia, had a cerebral hemorrhage so many you know hours away. He was in Georgia and it was in around three something in the afternoon. And I believe if memory is correct, it was only like three to four hours later when Harry Truman was informed um, from Georgia and Eleanor Roosevelt, Eleanor Roosevelt, I think, was the one who called him and said, come over to the White House. And then Harry Truman went over to the White House and took the oath with whoever gave it to him, probably a Supreme Court justice. Somebody gave him the oath because, I mean, he was going to be the president of the United States. But the, the laws about succession and things like that did not happen until the 25th Amendment. So there was still a necessity at that point with the president dying to give the public a sense of assurance that we now have the vice president and there's a picture. He's put his hand on a Bible, raised his, his right arm. I do solemnly swear to protect, preserve, and to defend the Constitution, so on and so forth. Help, so help me God. And therefore, we have a transition. That was the tradition of presidents dying in office, the vice president taking over. But the point is, it's still, we're going to be talking about void moons. We could have a situation in the future of a different kind of a void moon if whoever the current president or vice president, let's just say in some kind of bizarre situation, both passed away, right? And now we need to get somebody else, okay? In other words, while the administration of those two people um, would have started January 20th of whatever it would be, a third person, not the president, the vice president, who had taken the oath to start the administration. Now, this is a rare thing. It would only happen if the president and the vice president both lost their lives somehow, and you'd have to have the Speaker of the House or whoever was, you know, the next in line take an oath of office. That could represent a new beginning of an administration at that moment. For instance, when JFK, who, whose presidency began during a void, of course, moon, he also had Mars retrograde, when he was assassinated, um, January, uh, November 22nd, 1963, around 1230, uh, 1229-1230, and he was declared dead at Parkland Hospital by one o'clock. An hour and a half later, I think it was an hour and 30 minute, 38 minutes, it was around 2.38 in the afternoon, you can see pictures uh, of Vice President Johnson with Jackie Kennedy in the pink outfit with bloodstained, as well as a couple other figures in Air Force One, and it was a woman judge, I don't remember her name, she was from Texas, the president's body was in a casket going back to Washington, D.C., and Lyndon Johnson took the oath of office. Now, he was already president of the United States based on the fact that on January 20th of 1961, during a void moon, he took the oath and so did JFK. He took the oath to be vice president. JFK took the oath to be president. 
Now that the president was slain, Lyndon Johnson becomes president of the United States from the January 20th, 1961 void cycle. However, on top of that as, a few, as an extra template, the rest of that term of Lyndon Johnson and his being president himself and the powers of the presidency rather than him being vice president stem from that particular chart, which I've never focused on, but I know that there's a specific time for it. You want to understand civil rights legislation, uh, the Warren Commission report, and the fact that he beat Barry Goldwater so substantially in the, the 64 election and so on. We would want to then look at, okay, when he took the oath on that, that airplane. Now, remember, the airplane is flying from Love Field back to Washington, D.C. It was in the air. So the question is, where, where did it actually happen? So that would be another thing because birth charts are based on locations. So that would be a very interesting kind of subsection of all the stuff, definitely with an asterisk or two asterisks. But all I'm saying is you now know that the next three inaugurations that take place during an official void moon based on the Constitution, the 20th Amendment, that's forced us into this noon situation, um, 2045 on January 20th, 2000, uh, January 20th of 2057, and January 20th of 1973. And I do have little bits of information of some of the alignments occurring on those days and just before those days to give you an extra nuance of whatever those future presidents and vice presidents and administrations will have to deal with. But as you can see where I'm going, um, the, the void moon at all these six U.S. presidents will give you a lot of understanding about the individual void, of course, moon that's affecting you and me, all your loved ones, everyone who's ever lived and having void moon experiences, your children, your friends, everybody else. We're all experiencing void moon energy, whether whether we want to accept it fully or not, whether we want to rigorously look at it, whether we want to ignore it, you know, or or sometimes focus on a lot and sometimes not, depending on our moods or feelings. But again, I've just given you a big hint. If I'm saying moon trine Venus or conjunct Venus or trine Jupiter or sextile six degrees to Jupiter or Mercury or the sun, there are ways in which the, the void moon, with even with the lousy title, I don't like the kind of vibe of the idea of, of the void moon. It could have another name. Maybe in the future we'd rename it something else. You know, the moon miasma or the moon floating around or whatever it would be, some other term that might be more, you know, moon, magical moon time period or something when the moon is no longer locked into these particular kind of forced Ptolemaic, you know, structured alignments from a long time ago, and it's sort of let loose. So to, to me, the moon in a void uh, time period does allow, as some of the astrologers are saying, kind of magic. Things are different. Things are, it's, it's, and it's not always do something um, that's, uh, that you want to get rid of, shall we say, or Again, the idea that nothing will come of the matter, Al Norris and others said that's not really it. And Maurice McCann has a whole other idea that the, that the void, of course, energy is nothing more than an unaspected planet using the moon as a tool to sort of understand all that. So he turned the whole thing on its head. It's not so much what the moon is doing. It's like the moon's relationship to these other celestial bodies by orbs has a different kind of effect. So he's bringing up the idea of an unaspected planet being what is empowering here rather than the moon being void and sort of blaming all this on the moon. Well, at any rate, you now have a whole lot more about the moon. By the way, the largest magazine, um, I wish I had extra copies, 
we did the, the biggest one was called the moon magazine in uh, around the same year i think it was in the fall of 1995 or 1996 and it was a big picture of the full moon and we had more stories and more articles and at some point i'll read from there because all these amazing amounts of information about the moon astronomically and through mythology and so on is in that particular magazine and i if if I had hundreds of copies, I could make it more available. At some point, we might be able to somehow bring some of those stories out in, in doing any kind of online magazine. I would like to do that because there's some really fascinating things about progressed moon through what's called the secondary progressions of the moon and other planets, and even what's called tertiary moon uh, progressions, which are even more based on lunar cycles. So we did something entirely on the moon, including landing on the moon and other kinds of things, the astronomical energies of the moon and its influence on earthly life and so on back also 25 to 26 years ago. Okay, well, there's your lessons. There's your understanding. I hope you've enjoyed this beginning. I realize it's a complex subject. I'm trying to make it a little bit more understandable so that when you use the Cosmic Calendar and you are, have it on your as an app and you're subscribing to it, going into the future, if you can do that, it's not that expensive. You become your own Nostradamus. You learn more about astrology. And it becomes really fascinating as a tool because, as I said, we're all walking cosmic calendars, whether we like it or not. Uh, the exact cycles at the moment of our first breath on a month, day and year at a particular time in a particular place. We are all cosmic calendar vibrations at that moment interacting with one another as part of our compatibilities in terms of our success in life, in terms of our finances, our travel plans, our love lives and everything else. So everything depends on understanding the purpose and our destiny of our lives as souls and in incarnation here and we're all sky cycles we're all cosmic calendar uh, energy fields uh interacting with one another and if we forget to work with the cosmic calendar now and only use our natal charts and our understanding of sun or moon or planets or our transits and if we get into our progressions which is only focused on ourselves we're missing the wider universe of which we're a part of which we were part of at our first breath and which we're always a part of because we're part of humanity and we're part of the whole earth we're part of all these different realms of nature and we're part of the solar system the galaxy and beyond and that's what's going on in the cosmic calendar it's a wide amazing universe so now you know a lot more about the void moon and we'll go further in the next time hopefully i'll be able to do it all in two parts rather than three we'll see how far we go in the next one again thank you very much for listening Many healing and inspirational blessings to all of you. Bye for now.